Father, we thank you today that the more we seek you, the more we draw close to you. The Bible says, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. Just reinforcing, not the fact that God's playing hide and seek with us, but that it's a relationship. Relationships, how many realize, require two parties, right? You can love the other person, but how many know something? You get a real relationship when they love you back, right? And it's that connection of loving and being loved back that causes a relationship to flourish, to grow. That's what we have with God. We know He loves us, but when we draw close to Him, it is so powerful. It has the ability to shape our future and our destiny, to change everything about us by drawing close to Him. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes I, I make the effort, you know, I, I do the worship, I read the word, and, and I don't feel any different. That's when I engage my faith. And I say, God, I may not be feeling it today, but I'm faithing it. And I know by faith that God, you're here. The Bible says, you know, you are close and that you, you're closer than family members, you're as close to the very mention of your name. So I trust you. And when I exercise that faith, God is able to do great things. Amen. So Father, today in this place, we exercise faith. We trust you. Lean into you in Jesus' name. Thank you for all that you're doing, God, and all that you're about to do in my life, in my family, in my friends, my coworkers. We just ask God for you to unleash your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning, amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Awesome presence of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Um, all right. How many have, have want to really learn more about the kingdom of God? Let me see your hands. That's pretty much, pretty much everybody. Okay, so we ordered a bunch of Miles Monroe's books for people, and, and we, have, we ordered one extra sitting here. And I don't, this shouldn't be in the office just waiting for an owner it should be it should be owned right so so rather than being stormed here at the front or whatever if 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 you really desire this let me just do it this way who's got a birthday this month in august one two three okay all right yeah yeah your birthday's not in august all right uh what's your, what, okay those who had a birthday in august right what is it Fifth, twenty-fifth. Okay, what day is today? Twentieth, twentieth, right? Twenty-first. Oh, we're close there. Okay, Rhonda, eighteenth. Woo! That's only three days away. Can anybody beat three days away? Yes. When's your birthday? Your niece's is tomorrow. Can can you use that faith today for her on behalf of her to take this? All right, let's do it right there. Yeah, amen. All right. Uh, I don't know if, if Ron, you'll just have to borrow my copy or Mark's or something. But um, listen, I got to I got to tell you, uh, Miles Monroe was probably the most prolific writer about the kingdom, and great loss when we uh, lost him and his his wife in a plane accident uh, a few years ago. But uh, his his words live on. I mean, we're talking powerful teaching about the kingdom. 
And so I encourage you, uh, it's called Principles of the Kingdom. You get a hold of that book. Uh, you can order it on Amazon or whatever. Uh, it is transformative. It shifts the way you're thinking. If Tom DeHaan was here, he just, he said it's rewriting his whole thinking. He's just uh, uh, absolutely been amazed by it lately. And so uh, we would encourage you to read it. I read it about uh, 10 years or so ago. And wow, I just, it really helped shift my heart and my understanding of how God is working here on earth. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been talking about kingdom principles here, and uh, we've gotten as far as uh, the fourth principle, which is the principle of the harvest, which we, would, we have all kinds of phrases for. But basically, when we think of the principle of the harvest, we think of the principle of sowing and reaping. But there's so much more. In fact, it's a principle so embedded in life and in God's creation that we actually call it a natural law. And there's not just one law, there's several aspects to it. So I've been taking a number of weeks to expand on our understanding of the principle of the harvest, kingdom principle of harvest, and we've broken it down into seven laws, natural laws. And when I say laws, again, I don't mean uh, you know, law of Moses law. And if you, you don't do it, you're going to be cursed. And if you do it, then all heaven just falls down upon you. That's not the point. The point is that they're more like gravity. These things are, are laws, which are an operation, whether you believe them or not, they're an operation. And that when you align yourself with gravity, how no when you know, if you align yourself with gravity, your life will go longer, right? You know, if you jump off the top of a five-story building and you've not aligned yourself with the understanding of gravity, what's going to happen to you? Boom, right? And, 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 you, and you're not going to be able to blame anything. You're not going to be able to say, well, I didn't know that would happen. No, no. It's a natural law. These laws are like gravity, like the fact that, you, you know, you put a seed in the ground and it brings forth life. So we've expanded on those into seven. And I'm just going to quickly remind you, number one is that we only reap what has been sown. So in other words... If you're, even if you're eating today, somebody sowed into the ground what you're eating, right? And that we only sow because, or reap, I should say, because somebody sowed. Now, sometimes, you know, like my wife did this year, we planted a beautiful lettuce garden in our backyard, and we got to eat the benefits of that. We sowed, and we reaped. But there's many times I've reaped in my life because somebody else sowed, and there are many things I will sow, and my children and my grandchildren will reap. Amen? But we only reap what's been sown. So unless we are purposeful about sowing, there won't be a harvest in the end. So we reap what has been sown. Amen? Secondly, we reap in kind as we sow. So if you, if you plant corn seed in the ground, you're not going to get peas or, or you know, uh, avocados. You're going to get corn, right? And it's the same, uh, you know, that natural law comes into the kingdom. If we sow kindness, we'll receive kindness. If you, if you sow finances, you'll receive finances. If you sow uh, blessing and, and, and not cursing, guess what you're going to receive? Blessing and not cursing, that we reap in the same kind as we sow. And so it's important for us to look at how we are investing and in sowing with our life. Because your harvest will reflect in nature what you have sown. And we also talked about how these principles do have a negative side to them. So if you sow discord and you sow negativity, guess what you're going to reap, right? So you have to understand this is an operation in the world today. Number three, we talked about how you reap in a different season than you sow. You don't put the corn in the ground in the spring and expect the harvest a week later, right? They've got 
How many know you've got 60-day corn, 90-day corn? Anybody know that? You can, there's actually different corns, and you can plant them and get them at different times. But each of them has a season of sowing and a season of reaping. And, you know, not always is that season predictable. And, uh, you know, there are some plants that, that you sow them, and their season isn't until rainfall. And I told you how, you know, they go to you know, Death, Death Valley in, in California in the desert, and there are seeds that are dormant in that ground, 140 degrees, and they're just lying there dormant. And then every few years, there's a rain. And when the rain happens, guess what happens? It's harvest time for those seeds. They spring forth to life, and the whole valley is covered in colorful flowers. Where there was sand and, and nothing but sand the day before, now there's life everywhere because everything that is sown will have a harvest day. And sometimes the things that you sow spiritually, you've sown them in the midst of a desert, but what will happen is one day the rain will come and that thing will birth forth great life and will be the thing that of beauty that it was designed to be, but we don't know when that season's going to be. God knows and he'll bring it forth, but there will be a harvest day on that seed. Then law number four, and we thank God for this one, is that we reap more than we sow, right? How many are thankful for that? Like I said, no farmer would, would continue working if he only put, you know, one seed in the ground and he only got one, uh, you know, tomato off of that seed. You know, no, no, no. When you put those seeds in the ground, that plant brings forth multiple tomatoes, right? And uh, how we recognize that there's a bounty on what is sown. When you put it in the ground, the harvest is always greater than the seed sown. And if it wasn't, there'd be no life left on this planet. We'd all starve to death. But because of this principle, we can take a certain portion of the harvest, lay it aside to sow the next year. The rest of it is, is our uh, food, right? That's why we need to know the difference between seed and food, right? Because some of what we have is seed to be put in the ground, and it'll bring forth the harvest for next year. The rest of it we get to eat. It's ours to be, sustain us. And if it wasn't like that, like I said, we would have all starved, uh, you know, from the beginning of time. We would not have lasted very long. But here it is. You always reap more than you sow. Now, today I'm going to talk about number, law number five. And this one is also about reaping in proportion to how we sow like law number four. But while law... Four and five are related. There's a significant, important difference between the two of them. Both laws deal with the fact that we reap uh, more than we sow. Both of them deal with uh, quality and quantity. And, uh, but the difference is this. Law number four of we reap more than we sow, that focuses upon God's part, right? He's the one that the Bible even says he makes the, the, the field and the grass to grow, right? Brings the rain. I mean, he's the one who, who does that. He's the one that makes it grow. Today, we're going to talk about our part. We're going to talk about the human responsibility in, in seeing a harvest grow. And that our responsibility is this thing called faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Now, in the natural world, you think, ah, it doesn't take faith. You don't think so? It doesn't take faith to be out there, you know, plowing the field work in the field, dropping the seeds in the ground, and you know, and you put them in the dirt, you're burying them. It takes faith to stand and believe that you're going to get a harvest, and that that harvest is going to be more bountiful than what you sow. 
And uh, sometimes, you know, especially when there's been seasons of difficulty or drought, it's hard to take that seed that could feed your family, as we talked about in the scripture, they that sow in tears now reap in joy, and to take it and by faith put it in the ground and believe for something greater the next year. There's, there's a faith that's employed in the harvest. And, and there, it's even more true, everybody say more true. more true. It's more true in the spiritual kingdom than in the physical kingdom. We need to employ our faith in the harvest for us to see that growth. So today's message has to do with sowing and living by faith, being faithful, understanding the role that faith plays in the harvest that God has for us to share in. God's part, whatever is sown is multiplied manyfold. Man's part, trusting in God's sovereign promises that man needs to sow in faith and believe that God will bring a harvest, a return on what we have sown. Amen? Father, we just ask today that you would help us to understand and discern, uh, Father, what this passage or these truths or this principle is teaching us today. Father, we ask, Lord, for your understanding, because, Lord, understanding uh, brings growth, brings health, brings strength. And, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a, a side on a an old, old Alaskan highway sign. I, I, can't, I couldn't find the picture of it. I had it on my computer uh, years ago. And, and it says simply this, an old mud road. And it says, choose your rut. You'll be in it for the next 200 miles. And, <laughs> you know, our life is like that. You know, the Bible says, choose you this day who you'll serve. And, and the choice that we make affects our future, right? And so when we base our life upon a particular choice, the choice that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and we, then we are in that path and we stay in that path, we stay stuck to that path, man, we get, we get the fruits of that. But if you make a choice to go into another path, you're gonna, you can get stuck in that thing too, and it can take you down the wrong road for a long, long time. So you choose your path and choose well. And God will honor that. And today we're talking about choosing faith when it comes to altering the course of your life and believing God to touch our harvest. So the principle of the harvest of reaping more than you've sown and, and reaping that by faith is all throughout Scripture. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 6 says, Now this I say, he who spa sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. So there's a faith on that in that whether you're going to sow sparingly or bountifully, whether you'll sow one way or another, whether you'll be, you know, stingy or whether you'll be generous is a condition of the heart. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. And the verse may, is not a direct quotation of anything in the Old Testament, but I believe it is a bountiful statement that Paul is making about our relationship to God, that if we will sow uh, bountifully. If we'll sow generously, then we will also reap bountifully and generously. So if you want to be rich, seriously, be a giver, be a generous spirit. If you want to be poor, then grasp everything. Hold on to it. Relationships, everything. Just, just smother them and you'll end up being poor because we grow by giving it away. If you want abundance, then scatter. Then Put seed out everywhere. Put love out everywhere. Put uh, finances out. Put blessing out. And you'll have a great abundance. But if you want to be needy, then hoard. Right? You ever watch those shows on TV about hoarders? I mean, my goodness gracious. 
none of them are prospering. They're just like living like in pigsties because they've had this, they've been overtaken by the spirit of hoarding and they end up, I don't think through any under cognizant understand, they end up living in a dump, right? They end up living in what we would consider to be the poorest of life conditions with stuff all around them, but it's garbage that's all around them. Amen? And that's what the spirit of hoarding does. You got to get broken free from that thing, right? There's nothing worse than you go over to visit somebody and you can't find a place to sit on the couch. It's like, you know, my, what am I going to crush if I sit down here, you know? And, uh, you know, you're weaving your way through you know, to get to the kitchen or whatever. Uh, you know, that's not because they're abundantly blessed. That's because they're living in poverty. They're hoarding. And, and I, I remember stories of people who lived through the war times and lived through difficult times when they, were, you know, when they used to have to only get, they, they got what they call them, coupons. Or, or, or I remember my grandmother used to have tins full of bread, little tin tokens for getting loaves of bread. Anybody remember those? We used to play with them as kids, you know. My grandparents had them left over from the war. And, and there was a sense sometimes that, that people who lived through that, they had, they had a, a problem with letting things go because they were so afraid that they might have lack further down. And so, you know, we have to break that spirit and we break it through the spirit of generosity. The world's philosophy is typically opposite of God's. And I, I, I describe it this way, you know, get all you can, right? Then can all you get. And sit on the can, right? What's the last part you always say, Barry? And spoil the rest. And spoil the rest. <laughs> it's so true. You know, and that seems to be the world's philosophy. But, you know, when the Bible talks about reaping what we're sowing, and then the Bible's main focus is on the positive aspect of that harvest. If we sow bountifully and abundantly to the Spirit, then we're going to reap abundantly in spiritual blessings and consequences. You know, the primary uh, invitation here is for you and I to engage with God in, in the principle of sowing and having reaped from the generosity of our sowing. I'm going to read a few scriptures for you that kind of reinforce this principle. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you have ever heard that before? Right? Wow, I just thought that was grandma's wisdom. No, it's right in the Bible, folks. Acts 20 and 35. Acts, uh, Luke, I should say, 638. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour it into your lap. For by the standard or the measure that you measure it out, it will return. You will uh, measure it to you in return. Uh, Matthew 19, 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my sake shall receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. So many times as much and, everybody say and, and shall inherit, inherit eternal life. So the many times as much is not about eternal life, it's and eternal life. So you'll inherit and eternal life. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, Proverbs 11, 24, 26. There's one who scatters yet increases all the more. And there's the one who withholds what is justly due but it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. He who withholds grain, the people will curse him, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. Oh, interesting. See, these principles, or scriptures, I should say, are all reinforcing that law of the harvest. And 
Law number five is telling us that the, the bounty of the harvest is in connection to our faith. Now, what is, how does this principle work? Why does faith work? Well, first of all, it's rooted in God's character. We have faith because we have faith in who God is, right? Our understanding of God is not just of a God who holds the world in his hands like Atlas. You know, those pictures. See, I, when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, but what's Atlas standing on? You know what I mean? Uh, he's holding the world. I mean, what's Atlas standing on? It's not in some antiquated mythological belief system. No, no, no. It's rooted in the understanding of our relationship with God, with a personal connection with him. And so we understand that the God that we're personally connected to created everything that's around us and yet is interested in me. And so it is that understanding of the divine nature of God as the one who is so big, not just that he could create the whole universe, but they could have a capacity within himself to love every one of us individually. How many know my capacity is not that big? I'm going to be honest, I love my grandkids more than yours. Just saying. I have 12 of them. They're awesome, but I love them more than your grandkids. Yours are awesome, and you probably love them more than mine, and that's okay with me. Even though I know mine are perfect, and yours probably aren't. I understand that, but, but the reality is my capacity to love is limited, and the truth of the matter is, I love my own more than I love others. Now, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't make sacrifices or do things for others, but if, you know, if, if two people were fault going toward the cliff, and one was my grandkid and one was somebody else's, I'd try to grab them both, but I'd make sure I grabbed my own. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the kind of revelation or truth there is to that. We can't help it. It's our nature that we love our own. Here's the beautiful thing, though. All of us are gods, and he loves us all. The capacity for him to be able to do that is so vast, we can't even possibly imagine it because we look at our capacity to love, and it's so limited compared to God's. But God's is limitless, right? And so God is able to reach down, and he is rooted, our understanding of this principle is rooted in his love for us, in his nature, that he he, he can't help himself but love us because God is love. Does everybody understand that? So, you know, Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So this revelation of God's love for us, that he sent his son for us, that he loves me dearly, then it translates into an understanding that he loves me, will he not also give to me freely because he cares for me, right? Remember Jesus saying if, to his disciples, you know, <laughs> if you just as an earthly father, if your son comes and asks for bread, would you give him a stone? If they ask for fish, would you give him a scorpion? No. Well, he goes, well, and it sounds like a ridiculous statement, but Jesus' point was, then how much more will your heavenly father, right, give you what you ask? He loves you. He isn't this God up there just trying to be nasty and mean and, you know, always like, you know, all about the hardcore discipline, discipline, discipline. No, he loves us. His, everything that he has done for us is rooted 
in love, rooted in love. God is love. He is love. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, case in point. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Right? According to the power that works within us. God is able to do abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Why? Why is it? And what is the power that it's talking about that's within us? It's not the power to, I'm a holy preacher power. It's the power of faith. That's the power that's at work within you that accesses all of the things that God wants to do. And, and what we need to do is have a proper understanding then of faith because faith is what activates here all of the love and affection that God wants to work through us. And I'm going to help explain that to you here this morning. And as I'm running out of time, I'll do this quickly. If we want to understand this faith, I think a key verse is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. What does chapter 11, verse 6 say? Right? Everybody know? That's good, good faith verse 2, also from Hebrews, by the way. But um, what is it, Barry? But without faith? To please God. Right? For it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. i got to be honest with you, this verse caused me over the years a lot of consternation. Because I thought God must not be pleased with me very much, because I always felt like my faith was small, it wasn't powerful enough, it wasn't anointed enough, it wasn't earth-shattering enough, that I either wasn't, or it wasn't a quantitative issue, it was a qualitative issue, it wasn't pure enough, I wasn't holy enough, I wasn't, you know what I mean? And so I'd read that verse and it would bother me, but then uh, God showed me that my problem is my misunderstanding of what the word faith truly means. Without faith, it is impossible to uh, please him. Hmm, without faith. So then I got thinking about, and it became so abundantly clear to me when I had grandchildren, right? What do my grandchildren have to do to please me? You say, well, they just love you. Yeah, but, but what's the, the greatest expression of that love? It's another, it's, it's another word that we could substitute for faith, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please me. Let me try this word on you. Without trust, it's impossible to please him. See, the, the, the reality is, is that children, grandchildren, implicitly, they trust you. They want to be with grandma or grandpa because they, they trust them. And they don't just trust that they'll be safe there, and even though that's an important part, they trust that good things will come there. Right? It's trust. They're not... They don't have a trust that Papa might actually have a treat in store for them because they, uh, uh, of how good or pure they've been, right? Or of how, you know, strong their, their, their faith is or their ability to believe for that. No, no, it's a trust. They trust the nature of Papa, right? That's what they trust. They trust the nature of Papa. 
They trust that if they say, Papa, Papa, can we have a treat? What's Papa going to say? Absolutely. He might add, you got to sit at the table, but he's going to say absolutely. Right? Uh, Papa, if I'm going somewhere and, you know, pick up something and, and we're with the kids, they'll say, Papa, can I come in the truck? And then they fight. Who gets to go with Papa? Who's going to get to sit in the front seat or here or there? Do you know what I mean? It's why? Is it because uh, they've got some supernatural power to believe? No, it's that they trust. They trust in the relationship they have with Papa. This changed this verse for me, right? It changed it. It's impossible to please him. Without trust, it's impossible to please him. That makes more sense. When I trust him, then I create pleasure in him. If I don't trust him, there's how, how displeasuring is that for God? You mean after all that we've been through, you don't trust me? After everything that I've done, you don't trust me? I mean, I, I can just see the heart of God going, you don't trust me? Brennan Manning, who is a former Catholic a Jesuit priest who graduated uh, from seminary and devoted his life to ministering to the men who were fishermen in New Orleans and who were out at sea all the time so they didn't get to go to church and then they were home in the evenings when they brought the boats in so he devoted his time to taking the love of God to them and which happened to be in the pubs and that's where he spent most of his time and then he ended up becoming an alcoholic and he ended up uh, in, in terrible states and in the midst of his alcoholism and his road to recovery, he had a, a divine encounter with God's grace. And now he's an incredible preacher. Uh, Mark actually got to, did you, were you at training when he spoke there too? Uh, Mark said he stood there in the podium just talking about the love and grace of God with his eyes closed almost the whole time. And just an amazing anointing. And I've read his number of his books, uh, Ragamuffin Gospel, I recommend to anyone. Uh, I read another one called Ruthless Trust. And he basically makes the argument that faith is, is simply trust in God. It's the ability to trust God in every situation, to have ruthless, relentless trust in God is faith. And when I have that kind of trust in God, then I please him, right? Then I please him. And then I'm able to come to him, right? And he rewards that ruthless trust. Just, and again, back to the analogy me as me as a grandpa, I reward that ruthless trust that when the grandkids come and they have this trust that Papa's got something good for them, Papa always comes through because they have a trust that it's going to be so. And that's how God has designed us to function to have a relationship with him, to have a trust in him. And so when we take this to the principle of the harvest and we talk about having faith, right? We talk about having faith. We have to understand our trust is to be in God. Let's apply this to giving. I won't take time to read all the scriptures, but if you were to go to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and 9, Paul talks about the offering that he's taking up for the church in Jerusalem and he talks to the Corinthian church about how they'd made a commitment to it, but for some reason they had not followed through on their commitment. Has anybody ever read the scripture before? You know what I'm talking about? And so if you haven't, go back and read the couple chapters after it this morning. Again, I won't take time to read them right now, but whatever the reason was, to me, it seems not that the Corinthian church didn't love God or didn't, you know, uh, believe it was important to help Jerusalem or anything else or the believers in Jerusalem. 
I believe the issue was they were struggling to trust God. That, and Paul identifies it, that, that there was a sense in which that our giving may result in our lacking. Right? That if we give to the need in Macedonia, then maybe we'll be in need. Right? And, and really, the root of being able to give is a simple question that the last few weeks I've Creflo Dollar's been preaching on. He's done an amazing job on it. And he's talked about what is it to give in grace. And he says, basically, it boils down to this. We give in proportion to our level of gratitude to God for what he's done. And when we live in a situation where things are tight or a season where it's tight, the question becomes, do I trust God? Do I trust God with my life? Do I trust God with my finances? Do I trust that if I give, then God will take care of me? Do I trust that if I give, I will still have enough? Do I trust God? And that's why Paul was able to say to the Corinthian church, nobody should give under compulsion or be forced to give, but we should give out of a heart of thanksgiving and out of a heart that trusts that God will take care of me. That's what, it, that's what it boils down to. My ability to give is, is rooted in my trust with God. I simply trust God. In the midst of all of the uncertainties in life, and how many know there's a lot of uncertainties right now? You, have, you know, if you spend any time watching or reading the news, there's a lot of uncertainties. But you know what? The reality is, God says, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Our trust in God is our part in growing the harvest. We have to trust him. We have to trust him because we won't be able to sow generously if we don't trust God. We'll have a hard time. You know, um, my, I, my parents, God bless my parents. I was raised in a solid Catholic home. Anybody raised in a good Catholic home here this morning? Let me see your hands. Nobody? Oh, got a few. Come on. Uh, and I remember my parents, I, I, got, I came to Christ, and I'm a born-again believer in the house. I'm still serving as an altar boy and all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, and I, I just started tithing right from the beginning, you know. So I'm working at a clothing store, Lipson's clothing store in downtown Napanee. Some of you folks remember that. There was one in Picton. Uh, there were a bunch of them around Brockville. Uh, I think there was one in Belleville here as well, I believe, at one time. And so anyway, I'm working at the Lipson's clothing store there, and I'm tithing, and my parents think I'm off my rocker. And I remember my dad sitting down with his giving envelope that he would give to the church, and, and, and the week that he decided to go from $2 to five dollars in the weekly offering five dollars and he put it in there and it was like a hmm and you know it, it and i thought it was kind of humorous because you know as someone who's a young young man i'm making i don't know i was only making like 50 bucks a week working part-time you know we only made like three dollars and something an hour back then so but i mean i put my five dollars and give it i didn't you know but but i realize now later it was about our ability to trust god that that even though they believed God, it was, they had a struggle trusting him. And that's what causes us to go, mm, can I really afford to do that? It's all rooted in trust. It's in trust. And, uh, and so for me, you know, uh, we reap a harvest in proportion 
to how we give by and the faith with which we give. And that faith is about do I trust God? Do you trust God? Do I trust God that that not just with giving but with everything in my life? Do I trust God with my relationships? Can I truly give my relationships to God? Can I truly trust God? You know, the scripture talks about train a child in the way they should go and when they're older they won't depart from it. Do you trust that? Do you trust God? You might be looking at the situation right now and your kids seem like they're determined to do anything but go after God. But do you trust God? Lean back in him and trust him. Amen? Trust him. Trust him at your workplace. Trust him wherever you go. Trust God. And, and I believe that if we think of faith in that way, it starts to make so much more sense. Do I trust him? Do I trust him? Remember going to a, hear Creflo up in, in, in Toronto, and uh, he, had, he was speaking there, and he was talking about, you know, how we receive from God, and that's how, it's by grace through faith. But he was trying to explain what is faith, and he was helping people to understand that faith is simply trusting. And so what he did was he got somebody real big and tall out of the crowd, like seven foot and tall. No, I was only, what, six foot three or so, but he was a big guy. And he, he said, you're going to be Jesus. And so the guy goes, okay. So he's standing up there at the front, and he's Jesus. And then he got four people to come on up to the front. And he said, all four of you are going to represent different people with needs. And he looked at the first person. He said, your need is, you need salvation. You know, you're, you're lost. You just need Christ in your life. And he said, the second person, you know, you need a physical healing. And the third person, they needed a restoration of a home or of a relationship. And the fourth person was they needed, you know, financial blessing or whatever. So you're lining them all up. And he said to the first person, he said, how are we saved? And the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, right? And he goes, what is faith? Faith is trusting that if we fall back into the hands of God, that if we trust him, that he will save us. And he goes, I want you just to fall back in the hand, into the hands of God. And the person had to go back and trust that this guy was going to catch them. And he caught them, of course. And he said, that is a picture of faith. It's the ability to just literally just take the nest he plunge into the hands of God and trust that he's going to catch you. But he said, you know what, here's the thing. It doesn't, that's not just how faith operates for salvation. It isn't just about trusting God for salvation. Because so many times we preach salvation is free, but the rest of your journey is by works, right? And how we, you know, faith all of a sudden turns from trusting God in salvation to performing for God in the rest of everything else that we need. So if we perform well, we'll get our healing. If we perform well, we'll get our financial breakthrough. If we perform well, we'll have all of our relationships restored. He goes, no, 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 it's still trust. Do you need to be healed by the Lord? Then you need to trust him and fall back into his hands. And by grace, you're healed. By grace, you have financial breakthrough. By grace, your relationships are restored. Your children are restored. It's by grace. It's by faith through grace. And that faith is trusting that God will come through. Amen? So the bottom question for us regarding faith is just do we trust him? Do I trust that the seed that I've sown will produce more than what I sowed? Do I trust? trust him. So back to that little Alaskan highway. Be careful the rut you choose because you'll be stuck in it for a long time. 
by God's grace, the beautiful thing is if you choose poorly, he can pick your vehicle up and put it in the right rut. Amen? But it's amazing how many people get a wrong thinking about God and then they're stuck in it for year after year, decade after decade, and they don't see the fruit. And God says, instead, if you just look this way, through the eyes of trust, I can do all things. I can do all things because my son, Jesus Christ, paid the price for you. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Amen? Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus is asking us today, do we trust him? He's asking you to trust him, to lean back in his lap and to just trust in him. Doesn't mean there aren't things that you need to do. Doesn't mean that there won't be tasks that you have to complete. Doesn't mean there isn't any work to the kingdom. There is, but we do it from a place of trust and not from a place of trying to make it happen myself. We do it from the place of trust. We do it from the place of his great affection for us. From the knowledge that he loves me and so I can trust him. I can trust him. Not only to save me, but to bless me, to strengthen me, to provide all the things that I have need of. I trust him. And so as I lean back in Jesus today, I trust that he's going to catch me every single time. That's what faith is. It is trusting God. And without that trust, then it's impossible to please him. And I believe that today there are some that you're just having a hard time trusting God. Maybe you've had some difficult things in life. You've had some, some severe losses and, and you just feel like, He's not there. He doesn't care. But he is there and he does care. And he's inviting you today to afresh just lean into him and trust him. To say, God, I can't see the way forward, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust that you and your word is true. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I just need to trust him afresh this morning. Yes, I see a hand. Yeah, hold him up. Just say, God, I... I need help to trust you more. I'm facing a mountain, but I need you to help me trust in you this day. Yes, just hold that hand up this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, you see every hand raised. And maybe even the ones that didn't raise them because they struggle so hard, they didn't know if they could trust it if they raise it. They're afraid that if I raise it and something doesn't happen, I'll be disappointed. Father, I pray God today in Jesus' name that you would, Father, bring such a revelation of your love and your affection for them that they know that they know that they know they can trust you. And that, Father, their faith would not only be restored, but it would be strengthened because, Father, they understand that, God, your affection for them is such that they can trust you with their whole being, body, soul, and spirit. I trust you today, Lord. Father, I pray whatever need they're facing, whatever obstacle they're up against, that, Lord, as they trust you, 
that God, they will see their enemies vanquished. Lord, the situation shifted. Father, that they will see an about face in that situation and they, as they trust you. The Bible says that having done everything to stand, then we just stand in faith, in trust that God, you're going to come through. And Father, we thank you today. Lord, my life has, has been immensely blessed because of just trusting you. Not because of, I, I, was, I had great you know, power or, or, or great uh, actions or did great things. I just trust you, Father, that it will work out. And Father, you have come through time and time and time again. So Father, today we trust you. We lean into you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you this week. Trust in him. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He's going to direct your paths and lead you in righteousness. God bless you. Have an amazing week in Jesus. We'll see you next Sunday. And uh, we look forward to it.